Well, good morning. Um, on behalf of Spirit Rock and the land and everyone here, we want to uh, welcome you to these uh, two days of uh, retreat, a non-residential retreat. Um, and my name is Donald Rothberg, and this is my uh, dear friend and colleague, Heather Sundberg. And we'll be uh, with everyone these two days. And we're very pleased at the uh, turnout. You know, when we first started doing this, it was a bit of an experiment. Would people come on a Monday and Tuesday during the day? But it's actually, we've been doing it for several years now, and there's, there's been good response. And it helps create a uh, situation where people can have something like the experience of a retreat. Uh, doesn't cost as much. Um, can uh, take care of things at home. Um, many of us need to. Maybe it doesn't take as long. We have something like that tasting of uh, focused practice. And this even has the advantage that um, this evening we get to bring the retreat home and then come back tomorrow. And so there uh, has aspects of integration that our regular retreats don't have. So this is really more advanced, isn't it? <laughs> In many ways, more advanced practice. So uh, should we introduce ourselves or each other? Okay. Okay. Um, I'll, un I'll introduce myself briefly. Then um, a teacher here at Spirit Rock, uh, both Heather and I uh, regularly teach the seven-day metta retreat in January. That, uh, the less advanced practice. Less advanced practice. <laughs> that uh, uh, it's been going for quite a while. And um, so metta has been a very, her loving kindness has been a very important practice for me. We'll come out more in the talks. Maybe just a few words further to say uh, about me. I've been uh, practicing for a long time, since I was in my uh, early 20s. And um, metta has increasingly been central. I, I practice metta, this loving-kindness practice, uh, multiple times for short periods during every day. And it's quite important and really integrates with the other practices. Uh, that we do here, the mindfulness practice, the wisdom practice, the development of the capacity to bring this into daily life, bring all of these qualities, loving kindness, uh, wisdom, mindfulness, into the flow of daily life. And we'll have that as an emphasis, particularly later in the retreat. That's been important for me. And maybe just one or two other things. Um, also important for me has been the, able, been the intention to bring all of this into um, responding to the needs of the world. And I've been involved over uh, quite a number of years with training programs for people who are engaged in service or social action to bring, bring uh, to deepen their practice and then to bring it out into their work in the world. So that's been quite important. And also I would say the connection between our inner practice, uh, psychology, psychotherapy has also been important. We've both been trained in body-based psychotherapy and has been, been important. Okay. So again, my name is Heather and when I say that I'm really happy to be back on the land, 
I mean it. And the context that I say it in is that I actually had the privilege of growing up in the Dharma here. I started meditating when I was 17. I showed up here soon after. It was long before 17 or 18 year olds were meditating at Spur Rock. It was long before the teen program, which I actually taught in and ran for 10 years. It was all before that. Um, and so I had the privilege of having this available to me as, as I'm, I'm kind of the, what, either the first or one of the first teachers that actually grew up here and is now teaching here. I consider that a great joy. And so I trained here with Eastern teachers and Western teachers and all my teacher training was here. And then 2010, so I guess it's been four years ago now, I left this area and moved up to Nevada City to support the opening of a brand new meditation center um, under the nonprofit Mountain Stream Meditation. So Mountain Stream Meditation has been around for 25 years, but we've never had a center. And a couple of people donated for a center. And so if you're ever on your way up to Truckee, you're very welcome. And uh, there's a community center there, and so I'm one of the teachers for that center and getting that off the ground. We've been open for just over a year now. So it's been a great opportunity and a great venture. I'm very inspired that these centers are actually starting to pop up all over the United States. I see this as a new wave of Dharma and meditation in our national circle. So I'm very happy to be back here. Uh, this is a home for me. And I hope that whether it's your very first time or you've been coming for years like I have, you can find a home here too. So for our two days, we'll be uh, doing um, what we do in a seven-day retreat, in a seven-day silent retreat. We'll be giving uh, full instructions. We'll be, we'll be practicing um, uh, with an intention to stay in silence during the time 9.30 to 4.30, and then we'll invite you to bring the practice home. So um, for those who are newer to metta meditation or loving-kindness meditation, it'll be a way to learn the uh, different techniques, learn the typical way we practice loving-kindness. Um, and for those who are more experienced, it really is a two-day retreat. And many of us know, know the practice, have received the instructions a number of times. And, so, and then some of us are probably in the middle where we're, we've had the instructions, but we're a little rusty. Or what was that other instruction? <laughs> so how many of us are fairly new or completely new to loving kindness practice? Okay. Yay. Yeah. And how many of us are pretty experienced with loving kindness practice? And how many are maybe in the middle somewhere? Okay, very good, very equal. So um, the, the schedule is posted in the back door and we'll be essentially uh, alternating periods of sitting and walking and having a few periods of short um, talks um, that Heather and I will give. Sometimes we'll just be 10 minutes each and we'll have those interspersed during the day, probably, what, uh, maybe, maybe three times during each day. We'll give some short talks, which will give overviews of the practice, and also have plenty of times to 
uh, answer any questions about the, the approach or about the technique or what's arising in one's experience. And uh, the general rhythm will be, again, uh, we'll have generally uh, sitting and then uh, a walking this morning, about 10.45, we'll come back with a sitting and then some more teaching and discussion, talks and discussion. We'll have lunch, which will be in silence, and that'll be about 12.30. Uh, the, and then, again, a movement of uh, sitting and walking. It looks like we have two such periods uh, during the afternoon. And they're also, what well, the first walking, there'll be the option of uh, practicing Qigong, which Heather will teach today and I'll teach tomorrow. We're both also students of Qigong. And uh, the rhythm will, will close uh, you know, at 4.30. Before that, we'll give some guidance on bringing the practice home this evening. And then uh, come again at 9.30. And, uh, and really, tomorrow, we'll, be, we'll probably have a little bit less talking but, and a little more, little more of the silent practice. We'll finish, we'll finish at 4.30 tomorrow. And how many of us are staying for both days? Okay, great, Hooray. great. And how many are just here for today? Hooray. Okay. <laughs> and how many are, are just here for tomorrow? <laughs> Trick question. Okay. Want to add anything to the schedule? Or anything I said? Okay, very good. So we'll start with an overview teaching of this beautiful practice of loving-kindness. In my own practice history, I was introduced to metta or loving-kindness very early on. And uh, over the last 20 years, have really done 50-50. About 50% insight meditation practice or vipassana the other 50%, these uh, practices of the qualities of the heart, the loving kindness, the compassion, the joy, the equanimity, uh, and the supports in that and concentration, as well as opening the heart. So it's been a wonderful journey for me. But I will let you know that it hasn't always been an easy journey, and I haven't always liked it. And there's something about uh, practice called loving kindness that we can have an expectation that it's supposed to be something. It's supposed to be loving. It's supposed to be kind. It's supposed to be juicy. Maybe it's supposed to be fun. And it is all those things, but not every moment. So don't worry if it isn't like that every moment or even for periods of time. And many of us that have practiced in this metta tradition for many years have had cycles where we've fallen in love with it, fallen in love with it again and again, and then other cycles where it's dry, I'm not in love with it, actually I can't stand it. I've had those cycles, and I bet those of you that raised your hand for metta for a long time have too. So it's just like anything else. We connect, we find our groove, we fall out of our groove, it just keeps deepening, it just keeps going. Uh, And we keep showing up with warmth and friendliness. 
So the word metta in the ancient language of Pali originally got translated into Old English as this word loving-kindness. And that's how it's generally remained. But as some of the modern-day Pali scholars are revisiting a lot of the Pali words, the words in the Old Language, we're getting some, we could say, more nuanced translations of this word that I find quite helpful. I wish that they had been more available 20 years ago when I started practicing metta. So some more current translations include goodwill or friendliness for this word metta. If somebody had said to me at the beginning of my metta practice, just try to bring a friendly spirit to yourselves and others, I might have found that a lot more workable than try to have some loving kindness. We all know that moment of just a friendly extension of heart an inner or external smile to somebody, whether we know them or not. We've all experienced that. Uh, And so we'll be tapping into that again and again while we're here and for the rest of our lives. So there are kind of thinking of two pieces about this metta practice. One is actually the fruition of metta. And we've already experienced it. We need not wait. It is those simple moments of friendliness in our lives, towards ourselves and others, in our wishes, and in our words and in our actions. And it's like the culmination of metta. And we experience the benefits, the fruition, the culmination of metta all the way through a life and all the way through our practice. So again, we don't need to wait until we've been doing it longer or deeper or better. So keep on the lookout for a little bit or a lot of the benefits or culmination of metta while we're here. The other side is the cultivation side. And that's the side where we train, where we actually care enough about these qualities of heart and of mind that we say, I'm going to come here for two days and refresh my memory of the instructions and really try them on as much as I can and give myself the opportunity to train in it. When we train in it, there's a steadiness that starts to develop that's different than a moment of benefit. It starts to have a steadiness and we start to develop confidence in it. And then when we meet the world and its difficulty, whether the world is ourselves and our own difficulty, or our family, our friends, or the world at large, that training really is available to us to meet the moment. We've put in our time, basically. So loving-kindness practice is a practice of intention. So the form of the practice is that Instead of following the breath the whole time is an initial instruction, which is a common initial instruction that we'll offer for insight meditation. We'll say, ah, the breath is available. Please plug in. You know, feel our own aliveness. In the metta practice, the ground or the primary object for our attention is actually intentional phrases of goodwill and of well-wishing. So it's a little different in the form 
I'm sure Donald and I will be talking a lot during this retreat about how in the essence, uh, metta and mindfulness are joined hand in hand. Two forms, same suchness. So we start these, these intentional phrases. And when Donald offers the instructions, he'll be uh, talking a little about the phrases and encouraging you to make up your own or use the ones you already know by heart. Um, but these phrases are touchstones and we drop them in moment by moment. We work with the rhythm. If it gets a little too fast, the whole thing feels frenetic. If it gets a little too slow, we start thinking about something more interesting or we fall asleep. So there's a piece about the phrases and the rhythm. But the basic phrases are flavors of well-wishing. Traditionally, they tend to be flavors about uh, may I or may you um, experience safety or you know, may I be safe, uh, may I be happy, may I be healthy and strong may be at ease. Those are some of the traditional phrases. And many of us have improved, and improv is welcome here. And so, you know, may I be safe has turned into, you know, uh, may I feel safe in body and mind or something else. A different phrase gets dropped in, like may I accept myself completely, may I accept you completely. So, of course, when we're practicing with intention, we're directing the mind with all of our caring, and then the results take care of themselves. And so it's this great process of bringing energy and caring to the process of the phrases and then totally letting go and letting the phrases take care of themselves. So one of the things that will happen for us from time to time is We'll say some phrase like, this is a common one. I've experienced it. People come to me at the Metta retreat every year and say, this happened to me. We'll say, may I feel protected and safe? And then we sort of take a pause to feel the echo just for a moment in the body. It's an important part of the practice. Just let it settle in just for a moment. And lo and behold, what comes up is not safety or a sense of safety. It's the exact opposite. We'll feel how unsafe we feel. And then it can turn into, and and I'll never be safe, and I've never been safe. And then it'll turn into, this isn't working. And then we're sitting there, and our head starts to hang. And it's like, oh, I don't know about this loving-kindness practice. (laughs) So that's actually a part of the process. We didn't do anything wrong. There's nothing wrong happening. We have a term for it. We call it the process of purification. And to me, what that means is that we've created enough space in the mind, in the heart. We've created enough space in direct experience to allow everything that might get in the way of a full expression of loving kindness to come and visit. And we can say, welcome, I see you. I see you fear, I see you sadness. I see self-hatred, and we don't have to make a big project out of it. It's just, oh, may I feel protected and safe? Oh, I'm feeling kind of unsafe. Maybe we put a hand on the heart. Donald and I like to practice metta with a hand on the heart all the time, you know, or from time to time. 
we could do that. You know, and then we just drop in the next phrase. Maybe happy. It's like, oh, I actually feel a little bit of sense of something. I'm not sure if it's happiness, but I just feel it. You know, may I be healthy and strong and feeling the strength of the body. When I first started metta practice and somebody said, say at the end, you know, say to yourself, may I be at ease? I would say, may I be at ease? And then often it would pop up, what is ease? It wasn't a period of my life where there was much ease. So I didn't have familiarity with that flavor. So the flavors of the phrases actually create the possibility of familiarity with beautiful qualities of heart and mind. Um, you know, we don't need to wait for them. We can also cultivate them. And when the opposite comes, we can be friendly with that. As we start to gather momentum with the phrases, with the hand on the heart, one of the other qualities that develops is actually focus. We start to focus and concentration begins to grow. And so the concentration is supported by the phrases and continuing the phrases. Sometimes it will feel like you're a metaphrase factory and you're just cranking them out and there isn't really a lot happening. It's just phrase production experience, right? And that's okay. Just keep going with them they'll start to gather their own momentum. And it'll be a little easier to stay with the phrases and keep them going. And then the qualities of metta will be supported to arise further and the focus will begin to land there. It's quite beautiful. Some people are supported in that process of focus or concentration by using an image for each one of the muses that we'll be working with. So we'll be sending metta over the next two days to ourselves, to a mentor or benefactor, to a good friend, to somebody who's familiar to us but kind of a stranger, to a difficult person, and to all beings. And so as we're working with those, There'll be more instructions about this, but we're also invited, especially if we're a visual kind of type of person, uh, to call up an image of them, just to use to connect with and get some juice going. You know, we start to get bored, we can recall up that image and go, ah, there they are. So, metta as a practice is beautiful, it's creative, It's a discipline in and of itself. And I really like to remember that (laughs) we can't do it wrong because our intention is sincere. We wouldn't be giving ourselves this two days if our intention wasn't sincere, even if we're just curious about this and we're brand new. So because of that, we couldn't do it wrong. And the other good news is we can't do it right either. (laughs) You know? Because we're just experimenting. We're just allowing this practice to move through us and we're not as in charge as we thought, so we can't do it right either. I'll add a few further uh, 
suggestions about our practice, about our loving kindness or metta practice. And I appreciate Heather giving a little bit of attention to the very word itself. Metta in the original language does um, relate to the uh, words that we translate as friend. And I like the translation um, expansive friendliness <laughs> or a fr- uh, kind of a warmth and friendliness that gets larger, that eventually gets limitless. And in Tibetan tradition, uh, this practice of metta or loving kindness is called one of the four immeasurables. And it really is taken to be ultimately something um, quite deep, mysterious, and without limit. This quality of care and warmth. And the reason that we, that the practice works, that we, these phrases are really, I think, I, w- I would say like knocking on the door of the heart, saying, saying, awakened heart, please come out. <laughs> knock, knock, where are you? <laughs> you know, and we keep knocking. And uh, the reason it ultimately works is it's said in multiple um, traditions is that our deep nature has that quality of warmth and kindness when it's not covered over with conditioning or with fear or with uh, confusion. That our basic nature is that of warmth and kindness. And we, we see this, I think, in... Uh, many aspects of our lives. We can see this with children, um, you know, before they get certain layers put on them. We can see that warmth and kindness. We can also sometimes see it surprisingly in crisis situations or disasters where there's an incredible goodwill that can be there. Again, when there's not, um, when there's not fear or startledness. There's incredible warmth and goodwill, and I'm sure we've all seen that in situations of need, where that kind heart comes out. And it's also taken uh, in, the, uh, in the liberation teachings of the Buddha that the quality of the kind heart is actually beneath the conditioning. That there's a quality of the, we might call it, of the, the radiant awakened heart, which in the tradition is linked with a, a quality of mind and heart that's called luminous. And it's taken to be there even in those who are acting uh, negatively. It's beneath even what is sometimes called a corrupt mind or heart. It's beneath it. It's just covered over. And that's actually the, the understanding that motivates us, that we are, in a sense, uh, touching into a part of our birthright and something that we know at times, but we want to have it be more and more in our lives. That's why we do metta practice. We're really, with the practice, also as Heather said, it's an intention practice, very, very crucial point, because we're basically inclining, moment by moment, our being towards what we might call a kind heart, an awakened heart, an awakened mind heart, whatever language we use, we're inclining moment by moment. And as Heather said, we, we incline with the phrases, and once we say them, and once we do that, then in a sense we let it be what it is. And sometimes we feel more warmth, and sometimes we come up against a wall. And that's how we learn, actually. And we keep doing it. 
what, what constitutes the practice is that we are moment by moment coming forward with that intention to move towards the kind heart. That's represented by the phrases. And we actually don't know exactly how the Buddha taught uh, loving kindness or metta. The techniques we use date from about 1500 years ago, particularly from a, a text called The Path of Purification by Buddha Gosa, who was a, a systematizer of meditation in, in uh, India at, at that time. And, uh, and, but we, but the, 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 the practice, the way we do it, does line up with the text that we have, so it's not totally made up. <laughs> it, it actually lines up partly with the sense of bringing the metta increasingly to all beings, kind of, and so the uh, technique that we'll learn, the method that we'll learn, starts typically uh, with ourselves or wherever the metta seems easiest to access. And then we bring it out to uh, multiple beings. We bring it out first to those uh, where the metta seems like it flows more easily. So the whole strategy here is we start with developing the sense of warmth where it flows most easily. And then gradually we bring it out, and we'll be especially bringing it out further tomorrow. We bring it out, today we kind of start, stay within the, what we might call the everyday circle of affection, where we have some sense of natural warmth, which is already there. And then tomorrow we'll bring it out further to um, what we call a neutral person or a familiar stranger, someone we have no particular warmth towards initially. And then we bring it out towards uh, what we call a difficult person. And, uh, and so this, this is interesting that the loving kindness practice can uh, be there and can be brought into difficult situations. That it has the power. In fact, one of the powers of loving kindness is that it's a very powerful resource when we're having challenging or difficult circumstances. You know, that we can bring it in, it can really stabilize us, you know. I may tell a story later about um, when I practice metta in relationship to a bear in the forest at night. Tell it now. It's a little too long, but maybe, I guess, that, I guess now I have to tell it, don't I? <laughs> um, but the short uh, preview is, it worked. <laughs> Because you're still here. <laughs> here I am. My limbs are intact and so forth. Uh, but it can be brought, metta can be brought into challenging situations. It can sometimes uh, shift our minds away when we're really stuck or caught. It's a very powerful antidote. It's a technical term we sometimes use. It can really shift us away from being stuck or caught. And it can also help us when we have a heart that's shut down in relation to another. It can help us to move past that. Very, when we develop it well, it can be very, very potent. But again, crucial to remember that quality of intention because the aim is not here, is not here to sit and say, I will become loving these two days. <clears throat> and to, if we don't become loving in the way we had in mind, like gushing, flowing, you know, um, 
spontaneous, beautiful um, love or metta, um, then it's, if, if we don't experience that, somehow the metta doesn't work. It's not really like that. It's more that we go, we incline moment to moment with the phrases. We're basically saying, I'm inclining towards kindness or love or friendliness. And then we let it be what it is. And sometimes we experience that. And sometimes we experience its opposite. And that's okay. That's how it works. You know, moment by moment. But, but you can see what we sometimes call the beauty or the wholesomeness of the practice. We're basically here supporting each other, inclining towards the kind heart moment by moment with the phrases. See the power of intention that we're doing that. And then we let it be what it is. And that's really, really crucial. It's basically, maybe I'll finish with this, it's basically a clarity that we can choose kindness or love moment by moment and manifest it as best we can. One of my students uh, told her two-year-old, choose love. It's much easier that way. And there's a beautiful passage from... uh, Martin Luther King Jr., where he says, I have decided to love. Hate is too great a burden. I believe that love is the key that unlocks ultimate reality, he said. I have decided to love. That's very much the spirit of our practice here. We are choosing to go in that direction, moment by moment, and that's our practice. So now... um, a short introduction to the method. Uh, Heather gave a lot of the uh, overview, so I'll just add a few things. So if you need to just stand up for a moment, that would be fine. We'll be sitting probably for about another uh, half hour. But not a time for a break, because I'm going to give the instructions right now. We should have the uh, we should have the sound piped into the bathrooms. Right? <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll have a, a chance to use uh, the bathrooms in about about a little less than a half hour. But if there's urgency after the instructions, fine. <laughs> okay. Or real urgency, forget the instructions. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, it's okay. Okay, very good. Okay, so for posture, just find a posture where you can be alert and uh, comfortable for 30, 40 minutes at a time. General guideline is to have the back straight and a good connection with the ground. If you're sitting on a chair, to have a good connection with the chair or the floor. Fine to move if you're, if you're uncomfortable. And then take a look if you're, if you're new to the um, 
If you're new to the practice, take a look at the handout. We typically do the practice with eyes closed. But when you're beginning, if you want to take a look at the sheet, that that would be fine. And we work with the repetition of the phrases. So we first want to, if we're new, we first want to find typically four phrases which express different nuances of wishing well to ourselves or to others. We typically use the um, same basic phrases adjusted for wishing it to oneself or others. We use the same basic phrases typically throughout the progression from self to what we call the benefactor, the friend, the neutral person, difficult person, and so forth. So there's a value in finding a phrase which is um, general enough so it can really work for everyone. That actually helps with the concentration aspect that we're, that we're staying with the same phrases. The phrases, uh, I'll get in a moment to which ones we might choose, but the phrases are really means to an end. The phrases help us sort of, when saying the phrases, we knock on the door of the heart and let there be a response. But the, the aim of the practice isn't so much to become really adept at saying phrases over and over again, but it's really to evoke the quality of warmth. That's the aim. You know, that we, the phrases, with the phrases, we evoke the quality of warmth. As we get more experienced with the practice, we stay more with that qual, that what we sometimes call the metta feeling or the sense of warmth. And the phrases sometimes, as we do it a lot, are a little bit more in the background. They help us stay, stay on task, as it were. But the, the long-term aim is, is, of course, having the heart be, feel kind and open and, and warm and so forth. But the phrases are means to an end in that way. Uh, that's, that's important. So we find four phrases that uh, resonate with, uh, with ourselves and we can uh, start, we typically start with phrases offered to ourselves. Um, for some of us, it actually can feel like there's a wall that makes it very, very hard to wish well for myself. Um, that can be the case. You know, if it just feels a little difficult, I think, stay with it. But for some of us, we may know that it's just very hard, maybe because of uh, what's happened in one's life or the way one's mind works, to, to really um, connect easily with being kind for oneself or wishing well for oneself. Traditionally, that was taken as the easiest way to access love. 2,500 years ago, they were not aware of the complexities of modern self-judgment and at times self-hatred. You know, that's, that's strong in this culture. And we'll, we'll talk later about that as something that we, that we work with. Um, if that is the case for you, if you really feel a, a very strong wall, you can start with um, someone towards whom some being, could be a human being or can be, uh, could be a pet, a non-human, uh, towards whom warmth or friendliness flows really easily. What we're looking for is a way to find the, 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 the metta or the loving kindness to flow somewhat well near the beginning. 
No. We choose four phrases. The traditional ones are, are listed here in different variants. Traditional ones were, uh, could be may I be safe, or some people prefer may I feel safe, um, safe and free from harm. Uh, second has to do with what we usually call happiness. Uh, um, traditional uh, word would be translated as mental happiness, but we would pay, probably say may I be happy or may I be happy and contented, something like that. The third phrase has to do with health. Well, you know, uh, what was called uh, traditionally physical happiness, the translation would be that. And we would say, may I be healthy or may I be as healthy as possible. You know, we, we want to uh, have the phrases be um, realistic, suitable. You know, if we have uh, health difficulties, we don't pretend that they're not there. We say, may I be as healthy as possible, or some language like that. And then the last phrase would be, uh, is traditionally, may, may I have uh, ease of well-being. Those are traditional phrases. As Heather said, we, we really invite you to use phrases which uh, work for you. And you might say, may I, another phrase might, may be I be free. That was a phrase I used for a long time. Not that I became free and then got rid of it, but <laughs> but, but uh, that resonated. You know, may I be free, or may I be compassionate, may I be wise, something like that. May I, may, as Heather said, may I accept myself as I am, could be a beautiful phrase. You know, I'll, I'll share the phrases I use, and feel free to use them, if you wish. Uh, I use two more traditional phrases, or versions of them, and then two other ones. I, First one is, may I rest in the awakened heart? May I rest in the awakened heart? And then I say that to others, may you rest in the awakened heart, and so forth. May I rest in the awakened heart? May I be safe and free from harm? May my body support my practice? Version of health. And then, may I be held by love? And we're looking for phrases that when we say them, something in us kind of says, yes. <laughs> There's like a response like that. And it um, doesn't have to be real powerful, but we're kind of look, the, the way the phrases work is that something gets evoked. You know? And again, it also doesn't get evoked all the time. When I was first doing metta, it was dry at times, for sure. You know? And sometimes it just felt like I was going through the motions, and sometimes it feels like that. Uh, at the beginning, sometimes in the middle, sometimes when we're experienced. It just is like that sometimes. So we find phrases. If you're fairly new, uh, try to find some fairly soon that you stay with. You can experiment some, but try not to experiment uh, too much beyond maybe this sitting and the next sitting or walking, just a little bit. And then just settle with some and stay with them. That will, that will be of benefit. A little preview of the next two that we'll come to, because if you have some kind of a block with self, we would invite you to go to to either the one we call the benefactor or the friend. Just say, speak briefly. Benefactor is typically a mentor or teacher, someone who's really uh, we just have warmth towards. Is almost an unambiguous positive force in our lives. 
In other words, we, not a complicated relation. We just, when we think of this person, we just have a quality of warmth. Same thing with what we call the friend, a little bit more of a peer. And so if you feel called not to start with self, choose someone towards whom there's almost completely warm feelings that flow, not complicated relationship. Okay? And then you, you know, suggest that you use, uh, if they resonate with you, the techniques that uh, Heather mentioned. Because, because metta uses phrases, one of the ways that it has a danger of being dry is that it can stay on a verbal level. And it doesn't really sometimes get to the heart. And that happens sometimes. It's okay. And we can use a few of these techniques that help it be a little bit more emotional and a little more, more embodied. One of them is to have an image of ourself or not the other one right before we say the phrase. So the rhythm it can be something like this. I have an image. I stay with it just for a second or two. And if it's of yourself, it can be yourself at your happiest. You know, some people connect with an image of oneself as a child. Others do not. You know. And so you want to f- can find an image that sort of supports the quality of metta. And then we would, again, if you have your hand on your heart, to keep, or just you keep your awareness somewhat in your heart area, if, that's, if that can work. That helps keep it more embodied. Then we would say the phrase. And then we might just, after we say each phrase, we'd let there be a pause, or what Heather called an echo. You can call it a resonance. Just let there be a pause. And in that pause, there might be nothing, there might be a feeling, a memory, an emotion. Just let it be two or three seconds, and then we would repeat exactly what I just said with the second phrase, and then the same way with the third phrase, and the same way with the fourth phrase, and then back to the first phrase. That's it. And unlike mindfulness practice, we are not tracking the thoughts that come. There will be thoughts that come. We don't use mental labels for them. Once we notice that we've been off the metta, we just come back. Okay? We don't need to track and say, oh, there was thinking, there was this, there was that. We just really matter-of-factly uh, notice that we've wandered and just come back to the metta. Okay. So we'll practice now. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.